Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world. Okay, if you're watching online, I want to say greetings to you. We are so grateful that you are part of our community and our fellowship. And um, we bring you greetings from this house and everyone in here. On three, we're going to say hi. No, I'm just, we ain't going to do it. Hi, because that just, it felt juvenile when I was about to do it. Went too far. I just reeled it back in. Okay, um, by the way, I have a quick thing. I think, now Michelle and Jonathan, y'all, y'all been out? Because I know y'all just had that baby, but I ain't seen it. What's it? I don't even know the baby's name. Samara? Okay, good to see y'all back. Hey, Samara, dedicate you soon. Okay, now, um, all right, turn your Bibles to Revelations. Um, 11 verse 15 that's where we're going to begin to read but let me set you up a little bit before we get into the text today you know for four weeks we've been talking about this throne series and it's been a backdrop behind us and when I think about it being a backdrop behind us, it's not uh, difficult to see where God sits, what God's authority is, where he should be in your life. It's a visual reminder. So when you're coming in the message, you can't really uh, miss what I'm trying to show you because you can't see me without seeing the throne. And even if you want to maybe escape the conviction that the message brings, the very prop itself is telling you, put God in his right place. Difficulty is when we're not in a message moment or message series, we don't have a preacher or a billboard walking around reminding us of the picture of the throne. You know, he's seated on the throne. It's external. And when something is external like this, it seems to be something that can help you more, like wearing a cross or a ring that reminds you that you're married. Man, tough crowd. Okay. Sorry. 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 Um, so, when I see it externally, I'm reminded that, you know, he's to be praised, worshiped, he's also to be feared, um, and revered. It's easy for us when it's visible. But for most of us, and most of the time, this throne is invisible. Yet it is real, yet it is that it's prominent, and the power that emanates from that throne um, exists. In fact, you think about how powerful the throne is, he must have to do things to shield us from the sheer weight of it. What if I could convince you today to remove that throne from an external image and place it in an internal place? What if I could convince you to do whatever it takes to wake up every day and live out your life with the throne seated in your heart, helping you distinguish between good and evil, right and wrong, and make the right decisions to make Jesus. How would, how would it look if you woke up this morning and you knew the throne was right there? What kind of decisions would you or would you not make? You know, it's easy like to work out when you don't have, not work out when you don't have a trainer to 
No, if you if you if you're not fit and you want to get fit and, and you're not motivated and your trainer kind of appeared right on your bedside, you'd be like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna. Yeah, some people said no. I would tell them to get out. It's all right. Um, imagine if God was seated there actively reigning over your day, actively helping you out. How would you wake up different? What choices would you make differently immediately because you knew he was very present? What music wouldn't you listen to in your car immediately? Uh, what movies would you fail to go to or which ones would you watch at home and at least fast forward? <laughs> at least. They didn't have that feature on it. Well, turn away. Isn't it funny that if God was seated on the throne of your heart, what would be eliminated from your choices of reacting to things you don't like? you don't prefer. I want to convince us to worship God from a pure place where we are no longer wanting to be the owners of our life. I don't want to own my life anymore, but I want to live my life for the throne. I don't want to own it. You see, the problem, Pastor Bruce, that happened a long time ago when we were in heaven, and I've said this before, and Satan saw what God had ordained for him to do with his life, he began through the choice of his will to get another picture for his life, and he began to pursue that picture versus the throne's assignment. See, he was owning his own life, but I don't want to own my life because I see where that gets me. The virus was in a third of the angels. Can you imagine how powerful Satan's muse must have been to convince a third of the angels to say, peace out? Because there's a virus that is so strong when it comes to who owns you? We don't, even that term just disturbs somebody. Nobody owns me. I own myself. But being a slave to Christ is a privileged title. Being owned by God is a privileged position. I don't want to own my own life anymore. I, I just want, but Satan didn't do it. A third of the angels in that virus shows up in the garden. We said, and Adam and Eve got the idea that they could be like God. They can come outside the covering. If you woke up in the morning and you forget to put him in his right place, it would be easy for you to start owning your own life, your own way. You know, the virus is passed down. Even we see it in Adam, I mean, in, in Cain and Abel. And we see the distinction being made Cain worshipped his own way. He didn't fail to do something. He just brought 
what he thought he would bring. Got rejected. Abel brought by faith what God wanted. Got accepted. You know, it's funny that Cain, when he was rejected by God, never had a verse that says, I like to fix that. He only had a request to make his punishment bearable. What is that stubbornness within humanity? To know that there is a throne of power and that we're not going to adhere to it. Maybe it's too invisible. What choices would James Lowe make differently? When we look at our text today in Revelations and we begin to read it, we're going to see there's an activity that people participate in who no longer are the owners of their own heart. And they do it in a certain way that's authentic, the way they worship. I'm not talking about the worship that the song set the Christian, Christian Hill selected for us. I'm not talking about just your uh, quick responses and activities that you do as signs of worship. I'm talking about worship that, that engages the totality of a person. There's a complete surrender to where you can begin to say things that Jesus himself said as the supreme worshiper, not my will, but yours. So let's read together Revelations 11, verse 15 through 18, ready, Read, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there was a loud voice in heaven which said, the kingdoms of the world has become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Now, this is quite interesting. This is number one. This is the book. My, my mother's in the room, and when we were young, Mama, you know you would say, you can read all of it. Don't go into Revelations. I said, why you want to go to Revelations? I can't help you when you get to Revelations. That, that just, you know, you be on your own out there. You know, and you try to read the Revelation, and you just scare yourself at night, and you just don't want to go. It's like you look reading about a scary movie. You know, we stay out that book. They just, the saints used to preach. Stay out that book. We don't know how to interpret it. We don't know what's going on. We're in that book today. We're in that book, and you're going to see some terrible things, heinous things. And I pray that when you see them, you would call them good because we can give it context. Now, the, the, the Bible says a couple of things that you should point out, especially one that, that really makes me excited, that, that there was a sound of a trumpet and there was a loud voices in heaven. See... 
I feel good about the loud voices because I'm a loud person. Jesus loves loud people. Now, I know you're a silent worshiper. I'm a loud worshiper. But I got news for you. If you don't like loud worship, you don't want to hang out in heavenly places because they're loud. They yell. I'm not going to yell this sermon. I'm going to whisper. But no, in heaven, I'll be yelling. Just that was all for me and for you to know that I'm going. Loud people going to heaven that love Jesus. That's plain. Just that got to love Jesus. But you're about to see a bunch of people who don't want to live life they own. They want to live life for the throne. How do you know? Because they begin to, to say, once the seventh uh, trumpet is blown, the kings of our Lord have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Messiah and of his reign. There should be no end. And the 24 elders that were seated there on the throne, they fell and began to worship him. You can see that, that when you actually don't have a life that's your own, one of the clear indications is that you have pure worship. Pure worship is not just, again, like I said, something that's verbal or just laying up your hands. It is taking the totality of your life, the fullness of your life, the potential of your life, the cares of your life. It's taking your desires and all of your dreams and everything that you have of value that these 24 for elders, which, which, which are not explicitly, by the way, spoken of in the Bible in terms of identifying who they are. There's a lot of pictures that it could be the 12 apostles, it could be the 12 patriarchs, but there's no definite answer. But we do know that these are human beings who are accomplished some, to the degree that they can get that close to the throne and they can get a crown. And I'm telling you, that's pretty powerful, that God is actually counting their achievements to the degree and giving them authority. And I never heard of about authority that didn't come with dominion. These are powerful persons in the world. And you know what they're doing with all of their accomplishments and all of their achievements and all of their power? They are taking it off. They are taking it off. See, when the throne is seated in the right place of your heart, the first thing you do is strip down yourself. You put yourself in perspective. You put yourself where you really need to be seated at his feet, just waiting on him to release you to do what is his will. The Bible says in Romans 12, I, I present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. One of the things that make our worship weak is that we want to give our life to God uh, by dying quickly. We want to give our life to God by um, just doing something for him one day and wanting him to praise what we have done. A living sacrifice means you take your full potential of your life. By the way, this crown is broken. It's a female crown. I don't know where it totally comes from, but it's just not a part of the illustration. It's just the only thing I had. It's broken. But it also, it, it also to me, I liked it because it shows that that even when we have accomplishments, we, you, you, you couldn't be complete without him. You, you, really, you, really, you, really, you really don't understand that even your accomplishments is a gift from him. He, the Bible says, he says, everything you have, you receive, so why do you boast that you didn't receive it? So what, what can you really say? You received your mind from Christ, so you can't boast about that. You received your strength and your body from Christ, you can't boast about that. You received your intestinal fortitude from Christ, so you can't boast about that. You received your wealth from Christ, so you can't boast about that. You, re you received your, your human... You can't boast about anything. Pure worship. 
in his presence. The Bible says there are millions of angels around the throne. And there are, there are a countless number of people from every nation. And there are four living creatures uh, that are there at the throne, uh, the face of a man, the face of an eagle, the face of an ox, um, the face of a, of, a, of a lion. They got eyes and they got six wings and they sound scary. And they're always watching. And they usually lead out in the very thing that Satan stopped doing. He stopped leading the heavenly praise. But these four living creatures, they usually lead out with a statement. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Can you, can you imagine that? That's their job. That's why they exist. That's why they are here. Justice call out his word. See, pure worship is not about what he's doing for you. It's about who he is to you. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is perfect and beautiful in all his ways. He is just, majestic, and fair, good, and benevolent, merciful, and kind. When you look to that cross, you need to be looking to his goodness. And yes, his goodness extends to you, and you get benefits from him. But if he never did something exclusively for you, he's done so much by just existing. And giving you and I the privilege to see him. Pure worship is when you recognize who he is, how powerful he is, and you surrender your will. You know who was a pure worshiper and he taught us this? It's, 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 it's Jesus. It's Jesus who, when he, he, who knew how to pray his petition. Lord, I got something I want. I want you to let this cup pass from me. I don't want to go through this pain. Anybody ever go through pain in life that you said, man, Lord, can I get out this pain? Now, he did the other thing. He said, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's pure worship. That's pure worship. I'm going to tell you where I'm stuck. Lord, I want to get out this pain. Nevertheless, your will be done, but I don't plan to do your will. If you don't get with me, I've got to fall, solve this. I'm going to change it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to go off. I'm going I'm to stay silent. I'm going to be stubborn. I'm going to be immovable. All of the scriptures that tell you to hold your peace, let the Lord fight your battles, all that went out the window. Now, I'm fighting. Isn't it funny how quickly we all can digress? But what if I told you when your life is not the one you own, but you begin to live for the throne, that God is not mad at you. God is not waiting to judge you. God has not reserved wrath for you. God has not reserved punishment for you. According to the 18th verse that we read, God has reserved a reward for you. I'm here to announce to you that because you have surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, you shouldn't anticipate wrath and bad things because you're not the owner of your life. Because you're surrendered to the throne and you're living for that throne, you should get a little rejoicing on the inside of yourself. And when calamity and bad things are happening in the earth, you're not worried about it. You're just thinking about doing your part that Jesus gave you because he, he, he owns you. You're thinking about his ability to solve it and that he's just waiting and giving people time to get it right because at any moment he can do what the seventh trumpet that we're reading about does. See, the summit, seventh trumpet is the third woe. You know some bad ones. People say, whoa. That's the Bible calls it the third woe. So look at this. Just, just, just hold on, don't look up there yet because y'all will get distracted. I, I, this is not a sermon about revelation. It's not a, this is not an eschatological sermon about the end times. Okay, 
though it is of reference to it. And I thought I'd give you a journey up to the seventh trumpet that might help you appreciate what's going on. Okay? So, so before there was trumpets, there were seals. And, be, and, and, and there, was, there was a scroll with seven seals on it when John came to give us a revelation about Jesus. And there was no man that opened the scrolls. And he began to look to the throne. And he saw standing in the throne, he saw one was like a lamb slain. And the word came out from those who give him pure worship, who are not their own. He says, uh, 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 he worthy. He's worthy to open the seals of the wrath of God that will be poured out upon all those who are his enemies and all those who hate him. He's, he's worthy. And he began to open the seals. And, 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 and the first seal was, was, uh, was represented by a horse, and, and we consider this the seal that released the Antichrist. And then another uh, was re- releasing the beast, and it was war everywhere. And another horse was releasing destruction after that, which was famine all across the land. And the next horse would created pestilence, which killed a fourth of all humanity. And the next seal, you know, I love this one because God is re- taking a moment to remember the saints who are going through persecution as a result of their faith. Those who, are, who have had prayers, uh, who have been in the great tribulation and beheaded, God is remembering, remembering them. And then he moves on to the next seal where a third of the stars... And stuff in the sky get wiped out. The sun start acting up. And then there's silence. Because the seventh seal is getting ready to be broken. And when the seventh seal is broken, this is a bad moment. Because this is bad for the earth. That's what I want you to understand. But the reason this is coming for the earth is for one reason. Because the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. There was a day that this earth became cursed and it became doomed for destruction and nothing can hold it back. And that's because from that throne, the wrath of God will come. But the reason the wrath of God has not come because he's sitting on a mercy seat. He's sitting on a seat where the, those who allow him to own their life will participate in him advancing his good news to as many as will hear him so they can avoid this. But there's this unavoidable. For every single person who rejects God, this is the judgment that's poured out upon the earth. And it's bad. It's made the world a bad place. Like uh, a third, famine and all that, that's bad. But it gets worse. Seven trumpets, seven angels come. Now, there's something that is hurled from, uh, excuse me, there's something, rock that falls into the sea and all of a sudden, excuse me, fire comes down and it burns up a third of all the woods and vegetation. Then something hits the water and all the sea, a third of the sea is polluted. That's bad. Well, we still got the rivers. Well, no, you don't. Second thing hits those and they become bitter. Well, at least the sun is still shining. Nope, gonna take that away too. And you're going to get less time in the day and less time at night. I'm taking away the, the sun, the moon. I'm taking a third of that away. And then the Bible says these next three trumpets are woes. I mean, this, it was already from bad to worse. Now it's going to get especially worse. He said, now something hit the earth that's so sci-fi that it hits in a spirit called destruction. A fallen angel called destruction hits the abyss and lets out some demons. 
Now, somebody might call them aliens one day, but just to let you know, I called them demons. They had some grass, they were, they was like grasshoppers, face of a man, crown on their head, and they was given a scorpion's tail and they could sting everybody who didn't believe. But they couldn't touch the believers, by the way. That's the grace of God. And the thing is, you couldn't die. You get stung, you want to die, the scriptures say, but you can't die. Because you know you guys just can't leave this planet without his permission. Then... That was pretty bad. They lasted about four months, according to the scripture. And then 200, then, then another set of uh, angels, demons, four by the rivers Euphrates were released, pulled together a 200 million person army, and then they kill, I think, a third of all people. Where we pick up the text we're reading is the seventh trumpet. And you know, go back to the 15th, what did they do on the seventh trumpet? The seventh trumpet, the only thing it's declaring is there's seven more judgments on the earth coming. Seven. The angel sounded the trumpet and there was a loud voice who said, the kingdoms of the Lord has become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Messiah and of his reign. There will be no end. You see, if you do not surrender willfully to this throne. This throne will crush you. This throne will beat you. This throne is so excellent at metering out judgment to all of God's enemies that it will take its time to show you how merciful he is. So while you see destruction, I want you to see through the eyes of the Savior you know who's merciful. God who could just wipe out everybody with one flick is giving people an opportunity to see judgment after judgment after judgment from his throne. And while there's still time, turn from their wickedness and turn to God. But the verses before this one says that after six trumpets of judgment, do you know what the people of the earth said? He ain't making me give up my idols. The Bible says sexual immorality increases. People became more stubborn in their ways. And the angels began to rejoice that that which is wicked and vile is being dealt with. The seventh trumpet released seven bowls that led up to a complete destruction of the earth. I want to let you know in the 18th verse, though, God is just not about destroying things. He's going to give you a new heaven. And he's going to give you a new earth. And we're going to rule and reign with him in the next kingdom based on our faithfulness here. See, I don't want a life I own. I just want to live life for the throne. And for those who could not, who wanted to own their own life, here's what Revelation 20 say they get. Remember verse 18, look at 18 so you can know why I'm saying this. Verse 18, to show you this, it says, and the nations were angry and your wrath has come. So when the wrath came, instead of repenting, instead of rejoicing like all the people of God did in heaven, instead of being happy that God is dealing with evil and then you have a chance to fix your evil, they were angry. Have someone ever told you the right thing and instead of you being happy about it, you're mad? That's a spirit. Ask it to leave your house. 
He said, and the wrath came. In the time of judging the dead and rewarding your servants, the prophets and the people that revered your name, that were both great and small, and then he before he destroyed the earth. So I want you to understand that God is not evil. God is eradicating evil. The book of Revelations is telling you that his wrath is righteous and it is on all those who chose to own themselves like Satan, own themselves like a third of the angels, own themselves like Cain. Uh, I'm telling you that whenever you want to live for you instead of for the throne, this is what we can anticipate. But I know better things of you. And what I think is uh, important that I take a moment to read the scripture before I move on to the greatest celebration. Good news is I'm going to leave you in the greatest, happiest place you could ever imagine. But I need to leave you in pain for just a minute. Okay, you gotta stay in pain, verse 20. Because these, I don't like these scriptures. What about, they make me scared. They scare all of us. But let them scare you to Christ. Okay, let them scare you to Christ. Scare me. I'm up here reading it like, man, I don't wanna go through that. Lord, fix whatever you need to fix. Help me out, Jesus. Okay, Revelation 20, 11. See, if you die and you don't accept Christ, Jesus, here's what you can look forward to. Then I saw a great white throne judgment. He never getting off that throne. And him who's seated on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the book of life. This is very important because you believers, you saints of God, are not judged according to the things you have done. You have been acquitted. You have been made right. He, he, he who knew no sin became sin for you, that you might be the righteousness of God. He's blotted out all your transgressions. He's cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. He doesn't deal with you according to your sin. I got good news. No matter what you hear about this great white throne judgment, it is not for any believer. It is not for the sons and daughters of God. It is not for those who say, I don't want to own my life. I want to live for the throne and Christ alone. It is not for you but for every one of God's enemies who have hurt God's people, hurt God's cause, rejected God's word, rejected his ways, refused to repent. He is not being polarized by what's going on in the world. He is holding back this level of wrath that is coming to the world. Verse 13, the sea gave up their dead. You can't even hide when you're dead. Death in Hades gave up. The, th the people that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. That's scary. I don't spend time thinking about the past things I've done because he's redeemed me from them. But if I took a little vacation into my past for about 10 seconds, I would understand that I was an enemy of God. I was, a, uh, uh, I was a guilty of high treason against God because one disobedient act causes you to be cast from his presence. I'm not being judged by the things that I've done. I've done enough sin in my life. I've got enough iniquity in my life to end up in this place. This is the great white throne judgment. This is where the people stand before God and he said, call it name, James Lowe. 
No, they ain't going to call my name because I ain't going to be in that. So let's see. Uh, uh, no, I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't be in that. So hold on. Let me just, ain't no theology that puts me there. So let's see. Let me come to another side of the stage and leave that whole analogy right over there on that side. Uh, I hope you don't know no John Smiths in here, but John Smith. <laughs> we got about a million books on you. Hold on, John said, wait, 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 what's that other book over there? That's the book of life. Check, check, uh, check under the S's. We got a lot of Smiths. You know, John, my middle initial is A, John A. Smith. No, it's not in there. Can I come and look? Sure. They bring the book up to you. It's not, are you, some, did somebody make a mistake? No, John. Let's go through the million books, the ledger against you. Well, 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 I didn't have a chance. No one told me. They didn't tell me. John, calm down. Everyone gets to stand before the Lord. Please show him his life. Every church service, every evangelistic meeting, and every time a person failed, God says, I manifest myself to every man. Did he woke up with the whisper? The scripture says in Romans, he says, he says um, if that which may be known about God is manifest in them, for God has shown it unto them, even this eternal power in Godhead, so that every man is without excuse. He said, but when they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, but they changed him to that which is like a creature, and they worship and serve the creature more than creator, and changed the natural use for that which is unnatural. So he's going to begin to show us stuff, not us, somebody, them. John A. Smith. The thing I hate about this picture is how many people are there. How hot that fire looks. And right about the time, Pastor Bruce, you think the worst moment in this picture is being sentenced and thrown into the lake of fire. I think the most merciful moment in this picture is that you get to stand before his glory. That's even mercy. Who is this God? It's great. He's actually not doing it in a way that's hateful. He just actually means what he says. He actually means it. He says, and anyone's name who was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That's tough. Just let that sit for a moment because I'm convinced of better things of us. Let it sit in two ways. Number one, I'm convinced of something better of you and I. But I'm also thinking about a world that needs to hear the good news about the lamb slain sitting on the throne. They need to hear it. And if I woke up every moment with the throne over my heart, what choices would I make that make him known? Why do I give myself an excuse because either I'm a preacher or I'm busy or I have a life and kids that, that I don't have to communicate the good news to Jesus? What excuse do I give? This doesn't count. This, is, this moment doesn't count for me. I've got to actually get down from here and live the life I tell you to live. I'm not getting the pass, but that's what's at stake. You know, it becomes serious when you think it's your aunt, your uncle, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. Yeah, if you turn the lens off of you, it still hurts. But here's the good news for you, 2 Corinthians 5.10.
But we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us for the things done while we were in the body, whether good or evil. This is the type of throne we stand before. A throne, a picture of a throne where God is not giving you fire. See, you're so personal with him. This is a moment where he gets to crown you. I, I, I actually don't want to miss telling you just how great a savior you have. One of the crowns you can get is uh, the victor's crown for self-discipline. There's no reward for eating right, living right, doing Yes, there is. It's a victor's crown. You made it the length of life you should have made it because you, were, you, were, you possessed your vessel correctly. There's another crown called the crown of rejoicing, which is given to those who lead people to the Lord. Well, I don't have time to soul win. Well, you don't have time for a crown. You're not going to hell, but you're not going to be crowned. That wouldn't, that would sound derogatory. Look, you made it. I mean, just, she made it. I mean, I, I'm a, at the end of the day, if I don't get crowned, I made it, didn't I? Look, I'm going to be just as happy if I look at, Sally got three crowns, huh? I got one. It's okay, I got in. Look, just, I got in. I'll just be asking Sally for a crown loan. Chris Sally, let me get a couple of them jewels off you. I say her, she a soul winner. You, if you're not a soul winner, don't serve a soul winner. Go over there and say, Sally, you win souls, you and Chris? Yes. They brought 40, 50 people to church on Easter. Get with some people who can, you can get some credit. <laughs> the crown of righteousness for those who lo- long to see him. Look, you don't long to see somebody who's going to do you, who you're in trouble with. I grew up in the era of spankings. You love your parents until you know that they say, when we get home, you're getting a spanking. Oh, God. You don't want to see them. You're walking the other way. You get a crown just for longing to see him. What kind of God is this? You're going to crown me because I like you? Oh, that's too good. I'm going to hurry. I love this one. It's a crown of life for those who endure trials and temptations and persecution. Now, if you've gotten, I'm going to just use this example. If you've gotten a divorce, don't feel condemned because Christ, Christ can forgive you, redeem you, and give you a second chance to get it right. So you're still in the land of the living. But, you know, how many times do we choose not to endure? Well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they treated me. I had to get out. Well, you know what? God will reward you. He will crown you. You know the real problem is you think you own you. I don't want to live life I own. I want to live for the throne. And when you're living for the throne, your marriage is not just for you. It is a representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he will never leave. He will never forsake. That he's a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. That he's married to the backslider. That he doesn't give up, cave in, or quit. You have to understand that that's the type of God that you serve. Then you can get a crown of glory for those who shepherd people and pastor people. Well, I'm going to tell you something about pastoring. Well, you're thinking, well, you can get it and I can't. Well, well, wait a minute. You can help me. Because when Jephro came to Moses, 
and he had to pastor millions of people, he said, tell you what, find leaders for thousands, leaders for hundreds, leaders for 50, leaders for 10, and then have everybody else lead their family. You can, everybody needs shepherding. He's not, un, he's not, he doesn't fail to have benevolence. Then he can tell you, you can get, you can build up rewards, gold, silver, precious stone. Every work to be tried by the fires. Any man work, uh, uh, burn up, he'll suffer loss while in heaven. But if any man's work uh, abide, he shall have increase while in heaven. Now, I don't know what we'll use the gold for, the silver, the precious stone, and I don't even know if it's a metaphor. But I do know this, it's something valuable and I want it. I want it. Whatever God has for me. Then he says, we, if you're faithful in this world, he'll make you ruler in the next. I don't know how those people got crowned, but he said he made us a kingdom of priests and kings and queens. And they have dominion and they have power and we will judge angels. You see, when you're a part of the judgment seat of Christ, that means you've come to the throne of grace. You found mercy in a time of need. I don't want to have the life I own, but I'm going to live my life only for the throne. And when you live in life only for the throne, you get to get crowned. What do I believe life would look like if we embrace this message? Every day would be different. I would wake up surrendering. You would wake up surrendering. Let your will be done, O Lord. Let your will be done, O Lord. Let your will be done, O Lord. In me, in me, in me. Let thy will be done, O Lord, in me. You would just keep on surrendering. When you came across your boss that is vile, unsaved, and frustrating, you will never look at them the same way again. You will never look at them as the ultimate authority over you because you'll be looking, I live for the throne, that's the authority over me. I'm here for my unsaved boss. Uh, you, you won't look at your marital discomfort the same way. You'll start looking at a spouse who just needs you to give the love of Christ that is patient in suffering and affliction. You, 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 know, you notice that we want to change people, but, but Christ don't, don't make you change overnight. He just keeps walking with you. It's, you know what? That wasn't what I wanted. But we go together. Come on, you can do it. You won't do it yet? Just, just, just let, let it simmer for a while. Let's just keep walking, though. You want to go forward? It's okay. You don't want to go nowhere. All right. Well, I promise not to leave here forsake you. So I'm going to stand right here. Oh, you're going backwards. I'm still married to the backslider. You want to turn and repent? What if you and I were a church? that believed that we didn't want to have a life we owned, but we wanted to live for the throne, we wouldn't think that devotion, diversity, discipleship 
was a mission of the church, but an assignment for God. We wouldn't think that doing the work of evangelists was the job of the pastoral team, but it was all. We wouldn't think that the life group was something not to do because that's part of passion. We're going to get a crown for that. I'm going to get crowned for you my life group. Yeah, because we, in our context, that's helping us pastor. That's making sure every person in here has a personal touch. What would life look like if you actually believed, if you actually believed that he was going to reward you? You won't be fearing the day of judgment. You won't be fearing it. You know what the angels and all the people were in heaven doing when the judgment was being poured out? We'll end with this verse, verse 15. This one we read first, 11, 11, 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet with a loud voice in heaven who said, the kingdoms of our Lord come to the kingdoms of Christ. And they began to worship. Another version said they, they just began to cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. What am I asking you guys to do? To don't let this be a sermon series that we did. Oh, remember we did the throne series? Please don't do that. I'm even thinking about setting that throne out in the lobby to remind us I'm serious. You can jump in it because you can come to the throne of grace. But just remember you're not the one who has authority. I don't know what you have to do to keep the throne from being on the outside, but on the inside. Stand to your feet. Ministry team, you can come down. I'm going to dismiss you. I don't know what your needs are today, but if you have any needs whatsoever, you can come down and receive prayer. If you need to get in a life group, if you just need somebody to touch you, heal you, I mean, uh, uh, pray for your healing, whatever you need, salvation, we're going to be here ready to pray for you. But after I heard this message, that song came to my spirit. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Yes, I do. To walk in New Jerusalem, just like John. Praying to be ready. Praying to be ready. Praying to be ready, yes I am, to walk in New Jerusalem, just like John. Anybody love him? And I love him. Just worship for just one minute. I love him because, look to Jesus, he first loved me, yeah. And he purchased my salvation on Calvary. So I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready to walk in New Jerusalem just like John. Whatever your prayer needs are, 
You can begin to come even while I'm praying. Lord, I just pray. If you've watched this message and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I've got good news. You can do it right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I need you, my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. And I confess that you are now Lord of my life. If you've just prayed that prayer, I have good news for you. You have eternal life. The next step for you is to get in a Bible-believing church. We volunteer to be that church. But if not us, we pray God's blessings on you as you search for God's best for you. Thank you.